Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Amen. Would you welcome Pastor Jake Clevenger? Thank you, Pastor Josh. Yes, I was. Uh, I went to the church in Sacramento thinking that I was applying for a youth pastor position. And in the interview, I found out that all that was available was a janitor position. And so on my way home, I was praying and driving back to Gilroy at the time. And God said, if you want to be a good pastor, first you need to be a good janitor. And so I said, okay. And it was through that position that I, uh, I learned to serve. And I, my whole, my rest of my pastoral career, I want to serve people. And I, I want to be able to get my hands messy and appreciate the people that uh, set up the services and run the slides. And it just gave me a whole other perspective. So I'm grateful. So in that position, Pastor Josh was my boss. And uh, at first, he was kind of serious. And I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. This guy's kind of hiding from me. I feel like he's like this hilarious guy, but he's acting like really like administrative right now. And I went home and I told my wife, I was like, babe, this guy, Josh, is going to be my best friend. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be my best friend. And about a month later, he was. And it's just kind of the way it worked out. And he is easily one of my most intelligent friends, uh, one of my most funny friends. I don't know. Do you guys get to hear his impersonations ever? Is that, is that, yeah, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. So we, he was definitely missed when he left Sacramento. Um, and he's, we've been able to keep in contact ever since. We, we try and talk once a week. You know how that goes. Sometimes it's once a month. And, uh, but we, we talk. He's been accountable uh, for, to my life, and I've been able to be accountability to his. And so one of the things that he talks about every time we speak on the phone is how much he loves this church, about how incredible it is to see you guys grow. And it's amazing for me to be here and see it firsthand. And uh, I, I just want you to know you have a pastor that loves you, that truly does care about you. Um, he, he truly does believe what he says. And I, I love being here today that he invited me to share. It was about a month ago he said, uh, he gave me a call and invited me to speak on James. And I know that Pastor Josh does expository preaching. And so for those of you who don't know, expository preaching means you go verse by verse, right? You don't get to pick the topic of the day. If I'm feeling happy, I can't say, man, I'm going to preach about being happy today. Instead, I got to let the text do the teaching. And I went, okay, so we're going to do expository message in James. James is pretty intense, isn't it? I'm sure over the past weeks, uh, we have James call some of us out, probably, and point certain things out in our lives out of love that need to change. And so I got excited that I get to preach through James today. What, what amazes me most about James is that he was the younger brother of Jesus, right? The younger sibling of Jesus. Most scholars would agree. We got any younger siblings in the room today by a show of hands? Any younger siblings? I know you all got stories, right? Uh, from your older siblings. Uh, we have any older siblings in the room like myself? You would say I'm the oldest or I have a younger sibling. Uh, you know, God forgives us. God forgives us. So, so thank God. Uh, I, I say thank God for his mercy and his grace. You know, did anybody in here ever grow up with Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes for a sibling? Any of you have a brother or sister who's just Mr. Goody Two-Shoes? Like they do everything right and, and they are, you know, mom and dad like, are like, you should act like them. Now, I was not Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. Not, not one bit. Now, my wife, the sweetest woman I've ever met in my life, she was Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes, right? If I had a sister like her, it would have been bad. I mean, I would have been, been getting spankings all the time. All the time I would have been getting spankings. But, uh, you know, I'm a father of two little boys, two sweet little boys. My older one, I got a picture up here. Uh, his name is Luke. 
We get that picture up of Luke. Luke is going to turn two. He loves water, by the way, if you can't tell. Uh, if it rains, you're in trouble. He's going to go outside and jump in water. He's two in September, and Luke has recently discovered a word that all two-year-olds discover, and that word is no. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. We say, Luke, are you hungry? No. Luke, are you full? No. Luke, are you alive? No. And so just pray for us. You know, God is good, and he's growing us to pray for us. And the second one, my younger, is Liam. That's little Liam right there. There's the little baby. Took that two days ago. Uh, Liam is six months old, and he's recently beginning to eat solid foods, right? That's not a spray tan on his face. That's actually carrots, carrots all up in there. And, uh, I, you know, I love these boys to death. I love them with everything in me. But one thing you can't help but do as a parent is compare, is compare. It doesn't mean you love one more and you love the other, right? It doesn't mean one's better than the other, but you just compare, right? Luke is uh, the older one. So Luke started walking at 11 months, and when Liam gets about 11 months old, we're going to go, hey, his brother was walking around this time. Maybe he's going to start walking. A comparison helps us out. It lets us know what to expect, right? That older kid kind of gives you an idea of what is to come. And I think, expect, I think comparison is healthy. I think that it's a good thing, but, you know, if, if you're the brother of Jesus, comparison probably ain't so good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be compared to my older brother in that case. So James must have had it a little hard. You know what I'm saying? Jesus says his older brother. My, my two boys, I don't know what's wrong with them. Can I just be real with you guys for a second? I don't know what's wrong with my boys, but they have something uh, called blowouts. Does anybody here know what a blowout is? Uh, if you're a man and you don't know what a blowout is, just go to your wife and ask her. I'm, I guarantee you she knows. Uh, if you don't know what a blowout is, I'm jealous that you don't know. I wish I didn't know. But, but I don't know what's wrong with my boys. I mean, these boys have blowouts, and it's like they're going for a Guinness World Record. I, I, I was so concerned. I even went on YouTube. This is a true story. I went on YouTube, and I looked up how to put on a diaper. Because I was like, surely I'm doing something wrong, right? Surely I'm messing this up. So, but I don't know what it is. They're just little savages. But the good thing is, at least they're both little savages, right? At least it's not just one of them, but they're both little savages. James didn't have that. James didn't have that privilege. You know, James, uh, I, I, when he was a little baby, you, you think about James' dad, Joseph. Joseph would be like, Mary, what's wrong with baby James? He keeps having blowouts. Jesus never had no blowout, right? He was Jesus. James got a little bit older, right? He's about one years old, and, and he's still not walking, right? He's just crawling, and, 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 you know, Joseph's like, Mary, what's wrong with baby James? He's still not walking. Baby Jesus walks on water right? What's wrong with this child? And then he gets a little bit older, starts getting C's on his report card in elementary school, you know, and, and he starts missing spelling words. And, and, and Joseph says, Mary, what's wrong with, with baby James? He's failing his test. He don't know anything. Jesus knows everything. It's creepy. I mean, he knows everything. He knows more than we do. What's wrong with this child? Now, James had it hard. And it's a miracle. I think it's a miracle that we find James in the New Testament being a leader of the church, right? Not only did he eventually believe that his brother, who was telling him he was the son of God, not eventually did he figure out that was true, right? But he decided he was going to follow after his older brother and call him his God. And that's incredible. That's amazing. That's, that's the depth that we get to uh, read from today. Somebody who was that close to Jesus, his very own brother. And, and I'm excited to read that. Today we're going to uh, jump in 
to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, first, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have Johnny come up, and he's going to read that text for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave us this incredible word. We don't want to miss how important this is to our lives. We don't want to miss you speaking us, to us today, God. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stir within our hearts right now. Make this scripture come alive to us. Let it speak to our individual situations, Lord. We ask that you would bring healing, that you would bring confidence to our lives, God, and you would show us what an incredible plan you have for our lives. Lord, if there's anything that I'm going to teach that you don't want me to teach, I pray you help me to forget it, God, and I pray that every word I would speak, it would be as though I speak the very words of you, our Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John, you can come on up. All right, uh, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that, who, who, that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never in fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to, be, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and divided by and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force it consider what a great force is set on by set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also the tongue is also a fire, the world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, is, it, and it's itself set, the, set on fire by hell. All kinds of animal, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeliness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Thank you. We'll give a hand for Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. Good man. Now, as, as, I think as we read that passage, we kind of get intimidated. I don't know about you, but that's an intimidating passage, right? It talks about sea creatures, the tongue is a fire, it's set on fire by hell. That's, that's one of those you read, and you go, whew, thank God I'm not a teacher, right? Because it says teachers would be judged more strictly. We go, thank God that ain't me. I don't want to mess up. I mean, I don't want to teach, and I really will just, what I think I'll do is I'll just leave it up to Pastor Josh, right? He could do the teaching. Uh, the, maybe the guest speaker could do the teaching, but that's not me. And I think that when we believe this, we're, we're misunderstanding that there has been a huge shift in the church since the first century. There's been a change in the context of who is a teacher and who is qualified to be a teacher. You see, when this was written um, back in the first century, we, uh, we had a church that wasn't like our church today. Most of the believers in the first century church couldn't read. And so when you got a letter from James, when you got a letter from Paul, not anybody could just go and read that word. Instead, you had to have a teacher come and read that to you. And come and teach that to you. And, and that created 
a kind of a, a situation that put a teacher on the platform. It put the teacher on the pedestal where if you were the teacher, then guess what? That means you had the spotlight. That means that everybody had to come to you. Everybody had to, had to come and get, your, uh, get their faith, get their knowledge from you. And it, it kind of put this teacher position in a, in a really, I think, strange spotlight that it was never meant to be. And as a result, what happened is people start saying, hey, man, I want to become a teacher. Because if I'm a teacher, that could really do something for me. If I'm a teacher, I can get on stage. I can, everyone has to listen to me. People will come to me for advice. I'll feel important. I'll feel like maybe, maybe people think I'm valued. And people began to teach for the wrong reasons. And as a result, we have James who comes to the church, and, and he says in verse 1, he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you, who, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so it's not that James has anything against teachers, right? It's not like uh, God's saying, I don't want many teachers in the church. I don't want you guys to teach. No, that's not the case. But what James hits us with right out the gate is the first point of this sermon, and it is that we need to teach out of love and not out of ambition. We need to teach out of love and not out of ambition. So when you go to home, right, when you're with your family this week, as situations arise and you realize that you have an opportunity to maybe speak life into somebody's life, right? When, when, you have, when you're talking to somebody and you can go, man, you know, I've been in situations that they've been in. God has spoken to me. And maybe if I share that with them, that could help them, right? In those moments, we need to stop. Any opportunity we have to teach, we have to stop, and we just got to ask ourselves a question. Am I going to share this out of love, or am I going to share this out of ambition? Am I sharing this so that they think I'm a smart guy or a smart lady? Am I sharing this so that they think that I'm pretty, you know, that I know my Bible, that I'm pretty spiritual? Or am I sharing this because I love them, because I want them to grow? I want them to love God more. I want them to love other people more. I want them to love themselves more. If, if we always have to ask ourselves this question, James, right out the gate, hits us with this. Teach out of love, not ambition. And you know, the amazing thing is the first century church, not many of them were qualified to teach, but things have changed. You know, all of us, almost all of us in here, I guarantee we can read. And guess what? If you can't read, you don't have an excuse because there's audible versions of the Bible everywhere you go, right? If you want to know teaching on any topic, what can you do? You can go on your phone and in 10 seconds, you can pull up a sermon, can't you? For free. I mean, things have changed, and I believe that's a gift from the Holy Spirit, that we have the ability to learn. And I, all of you are qualified to teach in some form or fashion. It might not be up here on this pulpit on a Sunday, but it might be to your children. It might be to your families. It might be to your coworkers. It might be to the person in the grocery store. It, may, it might be wherever God wants to use it. As a result, there are many more teachers in today's church. James recognized this. And we, we need to be sure to follow his advice and teach out of love and encourage people. Now, uh, what happens most of the time is I think that we become insecure, don't we? You ever had a moment where you felt like I could, you could share something with somebody and you think, oh, I don't want to mess it up. I, I, I've, I've tried before and I've, I've just, I botched the whole thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to lead them the wrong way. I sure don't want to be judged more strictly. So I'm just going to skip it where I'm just going to let that pass. And what we have to see is when those moments come, God is bigger than your fear. And God can use you in those moments. I want us to understand that today, that God's desire is to use you. 
Some of you still might be saying, man, I am not a teacher, Jake. I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't apply to me. But what I would say is if you have ever prayed with your child before they went to sleep at night, it's something as simple as that. You're a teacher. You were teaching them in that moment. If, if you've ever told someone about what God has done for you, you're a teacher. And God was using you in that moment. If anyone has ever come to you for advice or counsel and, and you've just answered them with love and you pointed them back to God, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. We are a room full of teachers. God has given us gifts. And according to Jesus, we need to take these gifts extremely seriously. Jesus says in Luke 12, 48, he says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You see, God has given us a lot, and he has entrusted us with much, hasn't he? And he's going to ask us sometimes to use those gifts to accomplish his purposes. You might think that you're not qualified, but God thinks you are. You might think that you don't have the skill set, but God says you do. He does. He has shown you lessons, and he wants to use those things for his glory. And he wants to use you to teach. Now, as uh, we continue to verse 2, James is going to introduce to us this huge problem that comes along with teaching. And this is a problem that all of us have faced. And uh, this is a problem that whenever you open your mouth, you have to use this thing called a tongue. Right? And this is what James is going to draw this metaphor, the use of the tongue. Basically, this is your words. This is your thoughts. These are the things that you type down on a message. It's the things you speak out loud. It's the things that go on in your head and the things that come out as well. And he says this in, in verse 2 when talking about the tongue. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, you know what I love about this verse is that James is real. James is a real guy. He's, he's, he's not perfect, and he admits that. He says we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. We all mess up when we speak sometimes. Sometimes we teach things, we get a little bit more mature in the faith, and we realize, oh, what I believed wasn't, wasn't exactly correct, don't we? Has that ever happened to you? I hope it hasn't means you're growing, right? And, and James isn't afraid to admit this. He says uh, sometimes we mess up. And to me, that's refreshing because basically what James is saying is you guys will be judged more strictly if you teach. However, we all mess up. We all stumble. And notice that James admits that he messes up, but here he is to the church still writing this letter. He's still teaching. He hasn't quit. He hasn't given up. Instead, he's relying on the grace of God. And that's amazing. That's good news for us. That has to inspire us today because you might have messed up in your past, but God doesn't want you to stop. God wants his grace to, he, he has enough grace to forgive you and to transform you and to help you to improve, and he wants to use you again in your future. That is what James is saying. We all stumble in many ways. I say thank God that this guy admits it, because I can admit it too. We all stumble in many ways, but we can't quit. We have to press forward and continue to be used by God. Praise Jesus. That's good news for us today. Now, as we continue, uh, James is going to get pretty powerful here. He's going to give us two illustrations in verses 3 and 4, and these, these illustrations are going to talk about the, uh, the benefits, the incredible benefits that come from a controlled tongue. He's saying, hey, if you can control your tongue, there are some amazing things that can happen. We're going to take these apart, and these are going to speak to us today. They're going to speak exactly to where we're at. Let's go to verse 3. He says in verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal and in verse 4, 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, as we study these two illustrations today, we need, there's three big takeaways that I think James wants us to have. Takeaway number one is you are more powerful than you realize. You are more powerful than you realize. I, I want you to notice that James doesn't compare, he doesn't compare you to a, a butterfly, right? He doesn't compare you to a rainbow. What does he compare you to? He compares you to some of the most powerful things that existed in the first century, a ship and a horse, all right? You are more powerful than you realize. You, some of us don't believe that today, but what, we, what we've got to understand is that the moment we believed in Jesus Christ, God put his Holy Spirit inside of us, and that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture says, now lives in you and me. You are more powerful than you realize. There'll be times when God wants you to teach, and you're going to say, no, I don't, I don't got it. I'm not enough, God. But you are more powerful than you realize. God's word declares it, and he compares you to the horse. He compares you to the ship. He could have compared you to anything, but he compared you to two powerful things. You have purpose. Your life has direction. You have a destination, and God has taken you somewhere. His desire is to use you. He, he who began a good work inside of you is going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's his promise to us. You are more powerful than you realize. Let's go to number two. The second takeaway is your words are more powerful than you realize. Your words are so powerful, James teaches us. They have incredible power. Maybe you've been feeling inadequate to share your faith. Maybe you've been thinking you're not enough. But I want us to understand today that our relationship with God, our, our Father declares that these words have influence. These words carry weight. And we might throw them around and think, you know, I just say something and it vanishes into the air. But according to James, that's not the case. Our words are powerful. In fact, our words are so powerful, it leads us to take away three. Our words determine the direction of our life. Your words determine the direction of your life. James makes a point. He says a, that a, a bit is able to control a horse. Now, a bit was a small instrument that went into the mouth of a horse, this giant, powerful beast, right? And it was able to turn a horse in whatever way you want it to go. James is saying in the same way, your tongue is able to control you in whatever direction you want to go. And an uncontrolled tongue means you have no control in your direction of life. That's the other side of it. The uncontrolled tongue means you have no direction in your life. And he talks about the same way with a ship. He says a ship is large and a ship is powerful, and yet it is controlled by a tiny rudder. It's this huge, powerful thing that God is comparing you to, and yet it's controlled by a small rudder. Your tongue is your rudder. Your tongue is your rudder today. And if you can control that tongue, no matter what winds come, no matter what hits you, you can control your direction in life. There may be things hitting you from all directions, right? And, I, and what I notice in this illustration is James talks about the wind. He says that a large ship is hit by this wind, and yet the rudder is able to keep it on track. And what he's talking about here is external factors, right? That, that ship encounters external factors. It has winds that hit it from every direction. And what we have to see is that these external factors are in our lives as well. There are things that hit us from every direction, aren't there? When we least expect it. Things come out of nowhere. They try and push us. They try and determine our direction in life. Maybe it's you have a, a friend or a family member that, that says some words to you that, that just really threw you off. They hurt you deeply. 
Maybe it's financial crisis that rose out of nowhere. You thought you were doing good, and all of a sudden, this external factor of financial crisis is now trying to push you in a different direction. It's trying to keep you from staying on track with God. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe it's a loved one who's suffering. Maybe it's loved ones who, who get illness out of nowhere. We have external factors, but what James declares is he says, if you can control the rudder, if you can control your tongue, you can stay on track, and you can control the direction of your life. Our words are more powerful than we realize, and your words determine the direction of your life today. God's word is powerful. Now that James has taught us about the benefits of the tongue, he's going to continue on, and he's going to teach us about the damage that the uncontrolled tongue can do. We read this in verses, uh, at the end of verse 5 and verse 6. He says, consider what a great force fire, excuse me, consider what a great force to set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the body parts. Once again, that's pretty intimidating. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. That's serious. I want to remind you that your words are more powerful than you realize, and they determine the direction of your life. Now, God has given us his incredible power, and you can use these words to be a blessing, or you can use those words to be a curse. Notice that James compares your tongue to a fire. What is a fire? A fire damages. A fire harms. A fire causes fear and chaos. A fire takes something that is so beautiful and burns it down to the ground in ashes, and that's the power that exists within our words. A fire is powerful. Your tongue has the potential to be like that fire. He says it's a world of evil amongst your bodies. It can set the whole course of your life on fire. What he's saying right here is not only will it hurt other people, but it'll set your life on fire too. That's the thing about fire, it spreads. It'll set the whole course of your life on fire. And then he goes on, he says, it is set on fire by hell itself. The tongue is set on fire by hell. Now we gotta ask ourselves, where does this destructive potential of the tongue come from? Right? Why can our tongues do so much damage? And what James is getting at here is that our tongues, if we let them go uncontrolled, we can lend our tongues to Satan. Satan would love to have your tongue. If you're not going to control your tongue, you know who wants to control it? Satan would. Hell itself would love to empower that tongue to hurt people, to do harm, to speak words, to gossip, to lie, to boast. He would love to use your tongue to do whatever he wants to. And we've got to be people that control our tongues today. Notice that he's writing to believers here, right? These are believers just like you and me, but this is the potential that our tongues possess. We must control our tongues. I want you to know that your words have power and they determine the direction of your life. We got to get that deep within us today. You know, your words, they can end your marriage today. They can. Or your words can make your spouse believe that you're going to make it. They have that power too. Your words can break your child's heart. And cause them trauma and that'll follow them the rest of their life. Or your words can speak healing into existence. And your words can bring about correction. They can make that child know that they are loved and deeply appreciated by their parents. Your words, I mean, you have the ability to complain, right? We can complain about work and our words can make us hate work. Or we can speak words of gratitude. And we can begin to be grateful for the things that God has given us. And begin to love our jobs. Our words are powerful. 
They have the power to complain. They have the power to bless. They have the power to love and do good. And they also have the power to curse and hate and do harm. Our words are powerful. James is going to get to the root of the problem with our tongues in the next set of verses. So let's continue to 7 and 8. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, we got to stop. This is, this is kind of weird the first time I read this, right? Because first James says, hey, you guys, if you control your tongues, these are the benefits. He says, if you don't control your tongues, this is the damage. And now he says, hey, guys, your, ch- your tongues, you're not able to control them. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, well, why, why would you tell us that, what the benefits were if we can't control our tongues, if they're humanly impossible, if it's humanly uncontrollable? What's the point, James? And honestly, I think that the point here was so, was so obvious to James and his listeners because it's found throughout Scripture, right? And, and that is that while no human can tame the tongue, God can control your tongue today. While no human has the power, we can try with all of our will and sheer determination, but we can't do it on our own. Only the strength of God can do that. And this is found throughout Scripture. One passage of Scripture that I'll read to you today, uh, I think it answers this perfectly. And it's, it's Romans 6, 13 through 14. I don't have it up here, but you can just listen to me read it. It says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under God's grace. You know, sin doesn't have to be your master today. You know that you may have messed up this morning on your way here in the car ride, right, with your tongue. But guess what? God's word declares that sin doesn't have to control your tongue today. You may have messed up in the past quite a bit. I know I have. But God can give us grace. God can be the master of our tongues. And he has that power to do that, and I believe he will do that today. And understand that we need this empowerment. We need this grace every single day. If we do not have this grace... James warns us in this next set of verses that we will be inconsistent with our tongues. I don't know about you, but I have also in the past been inconsistent with my tongue, right? And James, we'll read about it right here. He says in verse 9 and verse 10, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Inconsistency, isn't it? Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, it should not be. We don't have God's grace. Our tongues are inconsistent. We try our best, but eventually we fall. <laughs> we fall. It says, he continues on, he says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, the, the inconsistency of the tongue is part of the reason why the church has been called hypocrites. It's because one moment we're loving on people. We're caring for them. We're investing in them. We're talking about how we love God, and we're, we're praying for them. And the next moment, we're gossiping about somebody. The next moment, someone cuts us off in traffic, we're cursing them out. The next moment, we're fighting with our spouse, and we say words that we should have never said. And we don't live any differently. And, and the point that, that James is getting at here is he says, hey, if there's a spring in this room, there's a spring right here, and we are drinking, refreshing, restoring, hydrating water out of it, and then all of a sudden it starts to spew out salt water, you would spit that out, right? 
And you would say, I can't drink from that spring. We would say, that spring, we cannot trust. We can't trust that thing. One moment is good, the next it's nasty. We're not going to use it. And it becomes unusable. It loses its purpose. In the same way, when we, one moment, speak out godliness, and the next we speak out curses, people say, we can't trust that person. People say, you know what? That's not godly. They're just like us. There's no difference. And we become unusable. And people no longer come to us to hear the teaching of God. We have the same potential in our tongues. The good news is that God, he cares about us deeply, and he's incredibly patient because we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. And God wants to make us into a fresh spring today. I believe today what God wants to do is to break us free from our inconsistency of speech. Pastor Joshua, they were praying this morning, and they, ex- they expected breakthrough. That was the word they got from God. I think the breakthrough that God wants to bring today has to do with the tongue. I do. I think it's, a, it's what God wants to do with how you believe about yourself, the thoughts that you believe about yourself today. He wants to break through and help you to understand that you are powerful, that you don't need to be scared of the opportunities he presents you. You don't have to back away from them. But you can boldly know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and that it's not about you, it's about him. And as a result, you are powerful today. And God wants to use you today. We're going to enter a time of prayer here shortly. We can, uh, we can pray for all types of things today. But I believe specifically God is going to break chains. We're going to enter a time of prayer. We can ask God to renew us, to take away the salt, to take away the inconsistencies. We can be like James and say, I don't got it all right. You know, pride's going to try and get you to stay in that seat and say, "Ah, I'm good. But we all stumble in many ways, including me and Pastor Josh. We can all come forward and receive this prayer from God today. We can, and God will set us free. It's his promise. We can ask him to take away the inconsistency of our tongues to take away our feelings of inadequacy, to help us believe that we are powerful in his hands. We can ask him to help us to be powerful with our words, powerful in our friendships, powerful in our families. We can ask him to heal us from the harmful words that have been spoken over our lives. And we can ask him to give us forgiveness for the words that we've spoken. Because we all spoke words that we shouldn't have spoke, right? And God can do that today. That is his will and that is his desire. If you want prayer for any of these things, uh, as, as we play some music and get into worship, I want to invite the prayer team forward right now. If, you have, if God's spoken to you in any way today, and you say that you want that grace that says you no longer have to have sin as your master, I, I invite you to come forward and receive it. If you want to just bless people, if you want to be used by God in a greater fashion, come forward and receive it. If you want to say, God, forgive me for the wrong I've done in the past. I don't want to believe those words that people have spoken to me before. There's been fire in my life. There's been fire spoken over my heart, and I want to receive forgiveness. I I want to receive forgiveness for this person that hurt me, God. I want to receive healing, and I want to believe your truth over my life today. If you want that today, then come forward and receive it. Jesus, we thank you that you're here right now, that you're tugging on the hearts of your children, that you care for us that your mercies are so big, that you've been patient with us, God. We come before you and we confess that we've stumbled in many ways. We come before you and we confess that our tongues are not always where they should be. But your word promises us, God, that we don't have to have sin as our master and that you can take control of our tongues. 
We want to be people that believe that our words are powerful today. We want to be people who believe that we are powerful today, God. And we want our words to determine the direction of our lives for your glory, for your kingdom and your purposes. We thank you, God, for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray.